Good morning, Philly's Church. I'm encouraged to see you all here. We're part of being part of the Christian fellowship is to encourage each other. I'm encouraged to see you all here to encourage me. Okay? Encourage each other with the ups and downs of life, whether it was too much fall break or not enough fall break or too much football or not enough football or other things, relationship issues, whatever it's been this week. Uh, we're here to encourage each other and hear encouragement from God's Word primarily. Uh, our hope in Jesus. Um, welcome. Go through a few announcements. Uh, our mission here is to enjoy Jesus, to know Jesus, to glorify Jesus in all things forever. Okay? And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Okay? If you're guests, um, there's information out there in the, the narthex to fill out if you're so inclined. We look forward to uh, learning more about you and talking with you further. Uh, welcome to all the visitors and guests today. Our senior pastor, uh, Alex Shipman, is on sabbatical right now through the end of the year. So if you have any questions or concerns, contact one of the elders uh, this week. In, his, in Alex's absence, uh, we're going to hear from God's Word by Marcus Nobles today. And he is our new Reformed University Fellowship, RUF, uh, intern at Alabama A&M University. So we'll get to hear him this morning, bring God's Word to us, get a chance to hear him and meet him afterwards and get to know him a little bit better. So it'll be an encouragement to all of us and to him, hopefully. Nursery is open today. So for those of you who need that, uh, for ages four and down, I believe, uh, nursery is open. At the Billy Church, we don't take a formal offering, but believe giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to our email address, our link on the webpage, mailing a check to us at Virginia Boulevard, or dropping your offering off in the plate in the back of the narthex. Okay, um, this week, uh, it's the second Wednesday of the month, October 13th. Corporate prayer at 8 p.m., Zoom only. And the information will be coming out on Tuesday about access to that Zoom uh, access. Another announcement, uh, Robert Blevins is conducting the second session of our Deacon and Mercy Ministry training next Sunday, October 17th at 6 p.m. It's open to everyone in the church interested in becoming equipped for Mercy Ministry activities. So it's if you can attend, if you didn't attend last month, that's kind of fine. Um, if you need child care, let uh, Anson or Tiffany know. Now, a big announcement for next the next four weeks. Village Kids starts again next Sunday for four weeks. They'll meet uh, next Sunday on the 17th, 24th, 31st, and November 7th. After worship, lunch is provided. Mary still needs some volunteers, um, especially for food prep and crowd control. You can text or email Mary, or you can sign up on the sign-up sheet out in the, in the foyer. So if you, and some of the slots are already filled, you can add your name to the list if you want to help out or uh, be a volunteer in whatever regard you can help. That'd be a great help to her. And there will be a volunteer set-up organized meeting next Saturday the 16th from 1 to 2 p.m. in the fellowship hall. So all volunteers have signed up for the village kids. They can be there Saturday afternoon to kind of get set up for Sunday. That would be great help. Any questions on that, see me afterwards and contact Mary on her email. And then an important announcement for all of us 
November 14th. It's a long time away, but it is coming up. We will celebrate our church's 10th anniversary. Some more details will come later, but that's going to be an exciting time to celebrate our 10th anniversary as a particular church. So plan on that, put that in your calendar, and plan on being here. Um, let's continue to encourage each other and be encouraged as we sing God's word and praise him today. Thank you. Good morning, church. I would like for us to, just, as we have been known to do, just take a few moments um, here at the beginning to prepare our hearts and minds for worship. I think part of that is even if we're, wherever, whatever. Um, frame of mind you you are in part of that is a large part of that maybe all of that is um, surrender surrendering to the Lord wherever you are right now and um, letting the Holy Spirit do his perfect work work in each one of us um, in these next few moments so let's just take some time and um and talk with our Father. Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in the green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You restore my soul. You guide me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, help us see you this morning. There are so many things that distract us. And um, 
we know that you say we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against all sorts of spiritual wickedness in high places and that spiritual wickedness does not delight in us gathering this morning to sing praises to your name does not delight in us gathering this morning to do as Larry um, has already said charged us with encouraging one another to love and good works they don't they don't delight in that so God we just ask you to um, make us ever cognizant of that point and that and even this moment that we run to your throne of grace that we rest in the truth of who we are your beloved children beloved sons and daughters in spirit that you will help us delight in our identity that has nothing to do with us and how great we are but it's all because of Jesus Christ and I pray you help us to remember those things as we fellowship today as we sing songs of praise and adoration and as we um, eat of the fruit of your word we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus name Amen again. Thank you, Lord.
He's a miracle worker. You made He's a promise keeper. You made a way. You made a way. I just want to thank you, Lord. You made a way. Salvation, whom shall we fear? You Lift the Savior up. He's worthy. Lift the Savior up. He's worthy to be praised. Lift the Savior up. He's worthy. Jesus is worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen.
before there was life you were seated on high from there you spoke time and we were already on your mind can't explain your love without performance you call us your own couldn't afford it with your blood you bought our freedom can't explain your love ruler of everything worthy of all that we could bring you are great jehovah all power is yours Without performance, you call us your own, couldn't afford it. With your blood, you bought our freedom. Can't explain your love. You are ruler, ruler of everything. Worthy of all that we could bring. You are great Jehovah. All power is yours. No song we sing can explain your love for me. You are great, Jehovah. All power. Song loud enough to explain your love. It's amazing. 
Jehovah. No word, no word good enough, no song loud enough to explain your love, no sin strong enough, no weapon against us can contain your love. It's alive in us, Jehovah. Amen. But as my pastor would say, I'm going to say it in his place, but do we believe it? Do we believe it? You may be seated. Our scripture reading first part comes from Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 31. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. And he said, What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together the crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, They took the scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. Good morning. 
this time we'll have a confession of faith. We will read the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'll supply the question, and the congregation supply the answer. What special act of providence did, did, did God exercise towards man in the state in which he was created? When God had created man, he entered into a covenant of life with him on condition of perfect obedience for body Now we have a song of meditation. Will you please stand with us? Thank you. 
Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, uh, your love is indeed so deep, uh, so deep that our finite minds can't even begin to comprehend its breadth and depth, uh, a love so deep that you would send your son to, to die for us, and as we just sung, it was our sins that put him there, that he took the, the just punishment that we rightly deserved. And uh, so we don't have to. And you offer that as a free gift. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to do something for it. We don't have to jump through hoops. You hold it out there freely. Because of what Christ did. Because of his finished work. Thank you for that. And Father, be, because of that, uh, again, as we just sung, uh, we want to boast of you. We want to brag about you. We want to proclaim you because of your lavish grace and all that you've done for us and just for who you are. And, Father, I just thank you for our brother Marcus. Thanks for his willingness uh, to bring your word before us this morning, to brag about you. And, Father, I pray that he would make much of you, that uh, as he opens up his wor- uh, opens up your word, um, Father, I just pray that we would all catch a fresh glimpse of you, that we would go deeper with you, we would fall more in love with you because of his willingness to bring your word. And Father, you would just speak mightily through him. And uh, Father, it was just a blessing to meet Marcus's father this morning. Um, And we thank you for him. We thank you uh, for his investment in Marcus's life uh, to bring him and to shape him into the man that he is today. What a blessing. What a blessing. And Father, I just pray that you'd encourage his father just as he hears his son proclaim your word, uh, that he'd be encouraged. So, Father, we commit the remainder of this time to you. Pray that you would bless the reading of your word, the proclamation of your word, for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pick up where Richard left off, um, Matthew 27, starting in verse 32 and reading through uh, verse 56. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, 
wagging their heads and saying, you, wouldn't, uh, you, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. So others, so also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from that cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Alai, Alai, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly. This man was the Son of God. There were also uh, many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. May God richly bless the reading of his word. hear me okay? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Is that better? I think I have it on. Now the battery's good. light battery's good. Still nothing? It says it's on group one, channel 12. Yeah? One, two, yeah. Is it on? Am I just not loud enough? Okay, okay let, me, let, me, let, me, let me get this a little closer. There we go. How's that? Yeah, there we go. See there? User error. Nine times out of ten, it's user error. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Marcus Nobles, and I am the new campus minister for RUF here at Alabama A&M, along with my partner Amos back there. You all know very well. Um, he and I have been running um, 
RUF at A&M together for this past semester. And let me tell you this, it is always an honor and a privilege to stand in this place in, at this time to deliver the word of God to God's people. I never take it lightly when I have the opportunity to give God's word to God's people. I take it as a supreme honor and a privilege and it doesn't rest lightly on my shoulders. And I appreciate you all trusting me to stand here in this place. And I appreciate how well this church has loved me and my family over these past few months. As most of you, as most of you know, we're living right across the parking lot there in, um, at, at, at the church here at the house. And um, you guys have loved us well and treated us like family. And there's no way that I can thank you enough for that. I really appreciate it. And my wife really appreciates it as well. So... Let's dig into the word. I am also grateful that um, with these large chunks of scripture that we've been going through, that um, we've been reading it throughout the sermon. Because if I, I, if I had to stand here and read these 56 verses to you, I think we would both be tired. Um, so having already heard the word, let's start with a little more prayer because we can never pray enough. Amen. Father God, we come to you humbly right now to say thank you. Thank you for being our God, and thank you for allowing us to be your people. And Father, as we dig into search and study your word, let it rest in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, and let us leave this place showing the world that we are your people and that you are our God. Father, let us not take lightly the crucifixion and death of Jesus that we're going to study here in Matthew 27, 11 through 56. And let it resonate through us and let us boast not in ourselves, but in our magnificent and wonderful and awesome Savior who took on death and paid the price for our sins and did what we could not. Father, it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, Amos did a wonderful job leading us through the end of Matthew 26 and the beginning of this chunk of Matthew 27. And he talked about how Jesus had these fake friends and these crooked courts that he had to go through. Amen. And I don't know about you, but all of that resonated with me because it seems as though in life we still have to struggle through some of these things that Jesus struggled through. And I love that that's not a coincidence, that God made himself man so that he could struggle through the things that we would also struggle through, even unto death as we see here in this chunk of scripture. And even though that's not light and fuzzy and happy, but it does give me warmth and comfort to know that I serve a God who is not dead, who is alive, and who has already suffered through anything that I could possibly suffer through. Amen? And we saw um, in Jesus' final days that he was completing the task that God had commanded, that his time was at hand and that his hour had come and that he was about God's business. Amen? Amos showed us that his betrayal um, by his friend and arrest in Matthew 26, 50, when he said, friend, do what you've come to do, that Jesus knew what was happening, saying, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so. And then Amos walked us through the circus of court that Jesus had to go through and how it was rigged against him, and yet, he remained silent, saying only, you have said so. And from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven, who I really am. Amen. And now we come to today's text where we see Jesus standing accused before Pilate. 
Matthew 27:11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, Again, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And again, he gave them no answer, not even to a single charge, so much so that the governor was greatly amazed. Quick history lesson here. Pilate would have been a substantial political figure, right? In today's time, he would have been like a governor or like a really powerful mayor, you know, someone who was in in charge of this local area. And his mansion would have been this big palace where uh, this event would have taken place. So imagine Jesus is under custody and brought to the governor's house, and this conversation would have happened in a public place, elevated, rise on a, on a platform in front of the governor's mansion where everyone could see, right? And surely there was a crowd there, and everyone was interested in what was happening here. And in front of all the people, Pilate repeats these charges that were given by this previous um, circus of, of court, right? It's a play of political theater, right? Pilate's going through the motions and doing the right political things, even though we will clearly see here in the next chunk of scripture that he knows that it, that, that it isn't right. Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent and saw no good reason to have him die. And here Jesus does not defend himself. Even when the accuser gives their testimony, he gives no response. Now think how this must have looked to the Romans that were there, to the people that were there, who were used to seeing this type of political theater happen. You know, Jesus wasn't the first one to be brought to the governor's mansion, right? And to be put on on trial like this. So everyone else that would have been brought would have likely had been guilty and likely had deserved what they were going through, right? And when given the opportunity to defend themselves, they likely would have jumped at it, right? The bad guy here never, the, the, the bad guy in, in situations like this never would give up the opportunity to, de, to defend themselves and say, it wasn't me, it was someone else's fault, right? And Jesus doesn't do that. And that's what astonishes the Romans here. Because anyone else would have jumped at the situation to clear their name, but Jesus' response was only, you have said so. Who do you say Jesus is? His silence here is astonishing, right? And the only response that he gives is, you have said so. Jesus was about his father's business at this hour, right? In Isaiah 53 and 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You know, animals go as uncomprehending to slaughter as to shearing because they don't know what's happening. But the servant who knew all things beforehand went to his death with a calm silence that is reflected not of an, uncomprehend, of an uncomprehension, but of a submitted mind and tongue. He was about his father's business. Amen? Here his silence is not that of ignorance, but a silence of deliberate self-submission. Jesus knew that he had work to fulfill. 
And he knew that his silence would help fulfill that work. And instead of proclaiming who he was, and like he said in chapters before, commanding legions of angels to handle the situation, he remained silent. Now we move on to Matthew 27:15 here where the crowd chooses Barabbas. And it says, Now at the feast of the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered Jesus up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd, Ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Here again, we see that Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. Look at verse 18. For he knew that it was out of envy that, he, that they had delivered him up. And in verse 19, his wife tells him the same. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him saying, have Nothing to do with that righteous man. Let's pause right here for a quick minute. Husbands, sometimes your wives get it right. Amen. Husbands, hear me now. Listen to your wife. Amen. I know that's not what we came here to say, but it's in the book. Right? But the chief priests and elders stirred up the crowd and got them to ask for Barabbas, right? Who is this Barabbas? <laughs> Barabbas is a notorious prisoner who had been there before, right? The people knew who Barabbas was. Mark, Luke, and John's accounts called him a bandit, a murderer, and an insurrectionist. That doesn't sound like somebody who's this is their first rodeo, right? Interesting point of history here. Jesus, the name Jesus at this point in time would have been much more common than it was today. And there are some historians and theologians who believe that Barabbas' first name was also Jesus. And that what Pilate was doing here in this situation was trying to create a creative opportunity to release someone else named Jesus. And I think that's why we see here in this text where he says, which would you have me release for you, Barabbas or the one called Jesus the Christ? Interesting enough, Barabbas' name translates to son of a father. So would you rather have me release to you the son of a father or the son of the father? Remember here that Jesus had come to die for us because, excuse me, remember that Jesus had to come to die for us because in our sin, we would have chose Barabbas too. Mm -hmm. 
in our flesh, we would always choose to be more like the world and less like Christ. So we needed a Savior who would come and be silent and say that I am who you said that I am and face this humiliation of a circus of court to die for our sins because we couldn't do it ourselves. Amen? While we were in sin, we too would choose like the crowd. But since we are in Christ, we don't have to stay in that sin. Amen? And I am so glad that Jesus came to overcome the world, to overcome our flesh, and to overcome our sin. Amen? Now the text continues here where Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. Matthew 27, 24 says, So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Verse 24, it was becoming a riot. Things were getting out of hand. And Pilate had run out of options. He had tried everything that he could to let this innocent man go. He wanted to listen to his wife, but there was a riot happening. Right? How many times have we been so in our sin that life around us seems like a riot? Am I all alone in that? Oh, y'all didn't say nothing. I was, I was starting to get nervous. <laughs> so just like in our lives today, we see a picture being painted here. How the sinful nature of man could stir up a riot, even in the presence of Jesus Christ. And Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing. So he washed his hands of it and said, you see to it yourself. And then he had Jesus scourged. What does scourge mean? That That means that he was beaten and broken and bruised and marred beyond compare. Now remember, here Jesus is about his father's business, right? And he's been silent up until now because he knew, again, like a lamb going to slaughter, that he had work to accomplish and that this was the way that it had to be done. Because the people were so far in sin that they were in a riot. And they couldn't see who he really was. Matthew 27, 27. Here's where Jesus is further mocked. Then the soldiers of the governors took Jesus to the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion there before him. And they had already had him scourged, but they stripped him again and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him and mocked him. And listen to what they say. Hail, King of the Jews. Now remember up to this point, Jesus has only said, you have said so. I am who you say I am. And listen to how they mock him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him in the head. And they mocked him more and then stripped him of the robe that they just gave and put back on the clothes that he had and led him away to crucify him adding insult to the injury. None of this was necessary. He had already been scourged. He had already gone through a circus of of court. 
He had already been wrongly condemned. And yet they mocked him further. After they had already beat him almost to death, they stripped him of his clothes and forced him to wear a robe just so they could mock him further. And then they stripped him again. And then here in Matthew 27, 32, they go out and find a man of Serene Simon by name and they compelled this man to carry the cross. They made him do it. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, which is where we get the word Calvary from, they offered him wine to drink, mixed it with gall, and when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. When they sat down and kept watch over him there, and over his head they put a charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews, who they say he is. And, two, and the two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself, who they say he is. If you are the Son of God, who they say he is, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. I find it interesting that Matthew in this writing of the gospel doesn't linger on the gruesome details of the ordeal that crucifixion was. Yet he goes through great length to show you how humiliated Jesus was. In all of the other recordings of the gospel, it gives you details on the crucifixion. Matthew even skips him being affixed to the cross and being raised up. And Matthew here is giving us all of these details about how humiliated Jesus was and about how greatly they mocked him and about how greatly they, they went out of their way, right? It focuses on that amount of humiliation that Jesus goes through during all of it. And this element of mockery wasn't just by the Gentiles, but by the Jews also. As he's dragged out of the city and brought to Calvary. Uh, and interesting piece of history here. Crucifixion wasn't generally done on a hill, but it was done down by the road where people passing by could see. How humiliating must that have been? To be in a public place where everyone that, that is coming to the city can, can see you hung up to die. And not a quick death, but a long, slow, and painful death. All the while being humiliated, not only by the soldiers who put you there and the court who condemned you there, but even by the men who were hung next to you. Matthew goes through great detail to paint this picture for us of how humiliating it must have been. And what's most remarkable here in the degradation of it all in this humiliating setting is that some of the highest Christological titles are expressed. King of Kings, Temple Builder, 
son of God, king of Israel. In their mocking, they ironically reinforce these titles because it's in this gruesome fate of humiliating crucifixion that Jesus completes his father's business, his noble mission, what he came here to do. Amen? We're almost there, y'all. I know it's a lot of scripture, but we're almost there. Matthew 27, 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them ran at once and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him, mocking him further. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He died. And watch this. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. And the tombs were also opened and the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this is the son of God. Amen. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Um, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary the sons of uh, sorry, and, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Here now we see the speech and attitude of Jesus change. This is the first time that he's spoken up in all of this that has happened, right? In verse forty-five, there's darkness all over all over the land from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, which would have been from 12 o'clock noon to 3 p.m. The entire time that Jesus was on the cross. Now, there's some debate between theologians as to what caused this darkness. Some say an eclipse, some say a sandstorm. However, it's most likely to be understood as Matthew surely intended it as a direct sign of God's displeasure. As it is in Amos Chapter 8, verse 9. And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the entire earth in broad daylight. Verse 46, Jesus cries out to God. But for the first time recorded in the Gospels, Jesus does not refer to God as Father. Seemingly quoting the 22nd Psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even in this moment of utter despair, Jesus, moments from death, still has the faith to cry out to God. Let me say that again. Even in this moment of utter despair, mere moments from death, Jesus has the faith to still cry out to God. Amen? He cries out again and gives up his spirit in verse 50. And at that moment, the sacrifice is complete. And straight away, what do we see? We see salvation being working, being worked out with two signs of God's judgment. The darkness that lasted from noon on, until three and an earthquake, right? 
And in that earthquake, we see the old system of worship being destroyed. Look at verse 51. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. No longer is there a separation between people and God. He was about his father's business, amen? And in the very moment that he gave up his spirit, his assignment was complete. And the old system of worship no longer mattered. Amen? And, the, and it's interesting that it says that the, that the curtain or the veil was torn from top to bottom. Not from the bottom to the top, but torn into from top to bottom. And that separation between the people of God and God is no longer there, right? And it's significant because it shows that this was God's doing and not man's. Hmm. Hmm. He was about his father's business. Amen. His sacrifice was necessary for us so that we could gather here today as believers in a risen savior who don't need the old way of worship, but can go to God directly. Amen. His, the mocking, the humiliation, everything that he went through was not for naught. It was for us right here today. Amen? So let me close with this. Who do you say Jesus is? The way that you live your life, does it show who Jesus is? The way that you love your neighbor, does it show who Jesus is? You say who Jesus is, not just with the words of your mouth, but with the attitude of your heart and with your spirit. Amen? Jesus is the one who was about his father's business. Amen? Jesus is the one who will choose us even when we choose like the crowd and don't deserve him. He chooses us still. Jesus is the innocent and perfect lamb that was willing to be sacrificed to pay the price for our sins, a price that we could not pay. Amen? The word says that he is the son of God, that he was humiliated for us, that he was beaten for us, that he was crucified for us, and that he died for us to secure our salvation. Amen? And I am so glad that the story does not end there. And I can't wait for next week when someone preaches what happens after this. You guys know what happens after this. Amen. And I am so glad that this is not where Jesus' story ends. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again, thankful that we can boast in you not in ourselves, but in you, a Savior who loves us enough to take on life as a man, to suffer and die, and to shoulder the burden of our sins, a burden that we could not hold. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that you, like a lamb being led to slaughter, were willing to be sacrificed for us, to take away the old way of worship and to lead us into new worship, where we can be with you. And Father God, thank you so much for sending us your son who didn't deserve to be humiliated, who didn't deserve to be broken, who didn't deserve to be hung high, bled and died, but he did it willingly for us. And Father, we're so thankful that you give your son for us, your people. Father, it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
stand with us as we celebrate that good word that we just had <laughs> amen before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.